21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hi, everyone. Welcome to my Run Your Life podcast. As always, thanks for tuning into the podcast itself. I really appreciate it. And it's my sincere hope that there is some new insight or learning that you can take away from each episode, regardless of who my guest is. As I approach my 100th episode, I can't believe it's already been 100 episodes, um, I'm constantly reminded about how incredibly unique each of my guests is and how each of them, regardless of craft, pursue excellence in their own way. To be honest, I don't have a specific plan or a script when interviewing my guests. I usually send them some potential areas or themes in their life that I'd like to explore and learn about, but once we hit the record button, I usually stray away from any intended focus and just try to let the conversation flow and the learning happen from there. In today's episode, I have a return guest on the show. It really was a pleasure to sit down with Gary Nicol, former European golf tour coach and current professional golf coach, and co-author of the best-selling golf book, The Lost Art of Putting. Gary has a very distinct style that he brings to his coaching that is very much focused on asking rather than telling. And he sets out to ask the right questions, and by asking the right questions, he can get his clients to dig more deeply into their patterns of thought and habits that they might bring with them to the golf course. He does this to unlock answers within themselves in an effort to better understand their own golf games and the mindset that they have developed and how this mindset might need to change or shift in order to bring about an improvement in their game. Even if you are not a golfer, I really think that you will benefit from hearing this episode as you will see that Gary's unique style comes alive in this conversation. And with 16 years of experience on the European Golf Tour, Gary had the chance to coach some of the game's greats and to learn alongside them. The framework that Gary brings to his coaching is about finding clarity and decluttering the mind in order to simplify the game and in doing so, help each of his clients genuinely experience more joy on the course. The game of golf really is a lifetime pursuit that is meant to keep people physically active in their lives as long as possible. And Gary does a great job helping his clients understand this. However, when coaching the world's elite golfers, it's about giving them the edge they need to perform at their best in competition. Even with the elite that he has coached, he steers clear of being a swing technician and making the focus of his coaching specifically on technique. He works more on mindset, imagery, and creating success through the art of paying attention and being present with oneself. Much of Gary's work is deeply rooted in the building blocks 
of peak performance psychology, mindfulness, and sports psychology. I want to thank Gary for his time, energy, and insight. He's a quality person who embodies everything it means to be a lifelong learner. I hope you enjoy this episode with Gary. And with that, let's dive right into this discussion. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Four Times Mindfulness with Neela Steele and Andy Vasley. And today is a special recording because we are sitting at Archer Field Golf Links, right? Mm-hmm. Archer Field correct. Performance Center. Archer Field Performance Center, yeah. yeah. And we have a guest on the show today. Usually Neela and I record just on our own, this mindfulness podcast. But every once in a while, we'll bring in a guest to also include the big ideas about mindfulness that resonate with them. So okay. you're on the show today. I'm going to introduce my, my guest, Gary Nicol. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And you were on my podcast. It must have been about a year and a half ago. Yeah, about 18 months ago. Yeah. yeah. And that was my Run Your Life podcast. And today, specifically with the work that you're doing uh, as a golf coach, yep. um, you employ and embed a lot of mindfulness work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why we're going to have you on the show to kind of talk specifically about that. But before getting into that, can you give the listeners just some insight into who you are, the present work that you do, and the work that you've done in the past? Sure. Yeah. Um, I've been a golf pro for 30 years now. I've just finished my 30th season as a golf pro. I know I don't look old enough, but <laughs> or feel it, yeah. which is even more important. And I, I love every minute of it, and I always have done. Um I'm very fortunate to be based here at Archfield, where we've got just the best performance centre probably in Europe. We've got two fantastic golf courses. We've got great clubhouse, great accommodation, and I love the atmosphere. I think that's probably the thing that we can't put across on any website or yeah. in any photography is the atmosphere here. It's so relaxed, and it's just a nice place to come to work. I've been here uh, eight years now. Before that, I spent a lot of time. I spent probably 16 years on the European tour coaching various tour professionals uh, with varying degrees of success and got to see a lot of the world that I wouldn't ordinarily have seen and loved a lot of it. But after about 15 years, I just thought, Living if I see one more hotel, yeah. one more airport, one more departure lounge, I think I'll go nuts. So I was very fortunate that I was able to set up camp down here and yes, yeah, I haven't looked back ever since. So you're teaching full-time out of here? Do you teach yes. anywhere else? Or? Uh, we do some golf schools and master classes right about. We've been to Germany a couple of times last year with Carl Morris, who yeah. you, you know. Yeah. Um, so we, we do a few days here and there, but the majority of my work is done here, yeah. Right. Yeah. And give people some insight. You know, I have two copies of, of the book. I'm going to give a... a yes, the, the Lost Art of Putting. Uh, Carl and I talked for a while, Carl being one of the, uh, for my mind... He's the, the, the Europe's leading mind coach, in, certainly in golf. Uh, and we talked till we'd worked a lot together over the last few years, and we talked about writing a book, but it wasn't initially going to be putting specific. And then we started to do some putting schools, and we just found that the the results we were getting were incredible, and we thought this is where the book lies. So we set about doing it. We started writing it probably just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And we launched it at the Scottish Open at Gullen in July last year. And the reviews we've had have been 
noting 99% positive. It's not yeah. going to strike a chord with everyone, but the, the feedback's been great. The sales have been pretty good. So, yeah. You've had some very well-known golfers um, speak about the book and promote the Yeah, we have. Yeah, we've been very Graham fortunate. McDowell. Yeah, Graham McDowell, Darren Clark, you know, guys who've won majors, got guys yeah. who played in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, we, it's probably the least technical instruction book ever written. There are no, there's no photography in it. It was a deliberate ploy. We decided if we put photography in there, as soon as a person, a golfer saw another golfer standing a specific or certain way, they would naturally assume that's what I'm supposed to do. But mm-hmm. that's not the, the whole concept behind it at all. The concept was here are the ideas. Take them away, personalize them, make them your own. Because, you know, in your 30 years of doing this, I've kind of discovered no one really likes being told what to do. Yeah. <laughs> but if we can give you an idea that you can then take away, you know, personalize, toy with a little bit and make it your own, then it becomes yours. You take ownership of it. Yeah. And then it really becomes quite powerful then. And one of the big things in working with you, and we, we just did another lesson today. Yeah. So a year and a half ago, I had four days of lessons mm. from you and, and we spent a lot of that time just talking yeah. um, about the game and this idea. It's, your work is very much non-technical. Yes. And a lot of um, you know a lot of golf coaches make it very technical. Yeah. And then players get caught up with specific technique, but your game is very much visualization and feel and and creating golf shots. I think the way I coach is I always try to look at the game through the the eye or the lens of the golfer. It's very easy to become detached as a golf coach and go down the technical route of everything. But ultimately, you know, the guys I work with on tour, I work with 30-odd tour pros over a, a long period of time. And I was always had to be very aware of the fact these guys were, this is how they made their living. So if I started to get technical or complex or complicated, you know, that's toying with their potential earning, their earning potential, yeah. and mine, because, you know, if, if they didn't perform, I didn't get paid either. Yeah, yeah. So we were all in it together. So I kind of very quickly learned and understood that in order to get these guys to perform their best, we had to keep it simple. And we had to, it had to be all about playing the game of golf. And as we've talked about in a number of occasions, it's not about playing golf swing. Mm. You know, it's about creating shots, creating the right shot at the right time, creating the right shot in the moment and getting their, you know, it's helping them to understand their golf game. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to teach them how to swing the club differently. It was helping them understand their golf swing and their golf game and understand their strengths and weaknesses and just understand them as golfers, basically, and help them understand how they could get the best out of themselves. Yeah which is a whole different ballgame to teaching people how to swing the golf club. Yeah, and for me, a lot more enjoyable having those discussions. Yeah, well, I think yeah. you can learn a whole lot from talking Yeah, and not necessarily a whole lot from, yeah, sometimes you learn from doing, but you've got to understand, you've got to have a very clear intention and very clear concepts before you can do anything, really. Yeah. And if your concepts or your intention aren't that clean or they're a bit cloudy, then it's always going to be a struggle from there. Yeah. I know that you and Carl have employed and embedded a lot of like mindfulness yeah. kind of related work in your coaching. So in terms of mindfulness, um, what types, 
what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, God, it means... the work that you do. Good question. uh, Mindfulness for me is, well, I guess intention, attention. Yeah. Unless you're very clear intention of what you want to do or achieve, you've got nowhere to put your attention. Yeah. If your attention is intention is a bit cloudy, your attention is going to jump all over the place. So we, we talk a lot about intention and attention. So without a very clear intention, where do you start? Where do you go? Where do you end up? You could end up anywhere because you don't know which path to go down. Right. You know, golf is very much about, as we've just been discussing, hitting a few shots there, unless you have a very clear intention, you're going to go, you're probably going to end up going back down the technical route. Mm-hmm. So unless we've got a very clear intention of what you want the golf ball to do, you know, we talked about just five, ten minutes ago, you know, a great question in golf is, what does the ball have to do to go from where I am now to where I want to go? And if your attention, if you've got very clear intention of what you want the ball to do, you then place your attention on creating that particular shot, whether it's a drive, a six iron, a chip or a puck. So, yeah, for me, mindfulness is, it could mean a number of things. Yeah. But intention and attention. I mean, Carl introduced me to the word, well, did introduce me to the word attention. I've always been aware of the word attention, but I didn't quite understand the importance of it. I mean, I look back at my time when I was trying to play golf as an amateur and in my early days as a professional, and I kind of look, used to think, looking back, I wasn't a very good golfer. And I didn't have very good skills, which may or may not have been the case. But now, the more I know about how the mind works, certainly in golf, I now understand that my attention on the golf course was dreadful. It was all over the place. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't aware of it then, because no one had really taught me or helped me understand what it was all about. I just thought it was normal for your mind to wander in a thousand different directions at every minute of the week, you know, every waking minute of the day. Mm. But it's only now that I can understand, you know, I could always see it in other people. I could see when someone else wasn't paying attention, but I couldn't see it myself because you can. Yeah. Well, I couldn't, certainly. So, yeah, it's been a, yeah, I probably never read so much as I have in the last five or six years. About, I've always been a great reader, but yeah. not necessarily about things that are important or pertinent to what I'm, what I'm actually doing. I'll be coming, I've always been a great student. I used to be a great student of the golf swing, but I've kind of learned that it's more important to be a student of the golf game. Right. And that idea, in, you know, when you talk about uh, intention and, and having an intention and placing your attention um, on that intention. Yes. Right requires presence yes right so i guess maybe talk a little bit about that idea of of remaining present you know and we've often talked about uh on this podcast you know the idea of ruminating about the past or projecting into the future removes you from being present right yeah we we talk about it as mental time travel Mm. you know your mind loves to travel into the past it loves to go into the future you know, we love to dwell on the things we have done. We love to think about the things we may or may not do. Yeah. But certainly when you're playing golf, and in life, really, you know, I've always told my late father, told me that learning to play golf will 
set you up for life because golf's a microcosm of life. Yeah. Which, you know, I was about 12 when he told me this, I didn't know what a microcosm was. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's become so true. And if you, you know, I kind of lost my thread a little bit there. No, sorry. Yeah, talking about mental time travel, yes. So, yeah, we love to go into the past. We love to go into the future. But, you know, when we're playing any golf shot, we need to be in the here and now. And one of the things that we've kind of learned is that what a great way to get your mind in the here and now, to get you in the present, to get you ready to, to take on the task at hand, is to ask a question. Questions focus the mind. Yeah. But in general, as certainly as golfers and probably as humans, we tend to ask terrible questions. Mm. Especially of ourselves. Especially of ourselves. Yeah. Why can't I do this? Yeah. Why why is this happening? Why is that happening? Oh, life's not fair. Not helpful. Yeah. Because then we focus on the negative that is generally speaking not going to be overly helpful. Yeah. But by asking by learning to ask better questions of ourselves, it allows us to get our attention in the here and now. And I know that, you know, our attention does wander. That's not going to stop happening. Yeah. The trick then is to catch yourself when your attention does wander and drag yourself back by asking perhaps another good question. And that idea of um, <clears throat> when you get off task and, and pulling yourself back in uh, non-judgmentally. So yes. That, yeah. yeah. Not beating yourself up, but just asking Absolutely. yourself better questions. Yeah, yeah. Question yeah. Well, it, going back to the, the putting book, one of the chapters is actually called Two Questions. And it, the, the whole chapter talks about, you know, asking two really important questions when you're putting. The first question being, is it possible for the ball to go in the hole? Well, you know, rather than be positive, that's asking a positive question. Yes, it's possible. Yeah. So as soon as we ask someone to ask themselves that question, is it possible for the ball to go in the hole? You can see their, their body language changes. Mm-hmm. They stand up, they start smiling, their eyes widen. Oh, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. And the next question would be, what does the ball have to do to go in the hole? And what we tend to find is when they're answering that question, their attention is purely on that task. It's mm-hmm. not thinking about a putt that they may have hold or missed on the previous hole or one that they may or may not hold in the future. They're very much absorbed and engrossed in the task at hand. Yeah. So just by asking, learning to ask better questions helps you become closer to the here and now and stay in the here and now. Yeah. 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 One of the things that I wanted to mention um, was this idea of, um, and this will connect, and I, I have a question for you after this, but uh, one of the things we've been working on, and I think I told you about the, the course that we were taking with um, the Seattle Seahawks. Yes, Coach Pete yes. Carroll, which is called Compete to Create. And it's um, there are a number of different modules or weeks mm-hmm. of study. And the one week was devoted to uh, creating personal philosophy statements. Okay. So that you create this personal philosophy statement and, and what it is, there, there's a, a process, but you basically think of yourself when you're at your best. Yeah. Right. And you use, you write down 20, it's very challenging, but you write down 20 to 25 words to describe when you are at your best. Okay. So, for example, maybe creative, empathetic, passionate, insightful, reflective, yep. whatever. And then you take that list of 20 to 25 and you filter it down to a list of 10 to 12. What mm-hmm. really stands out? And then from there, one to five words. Yep. And it's a very hard process to go through. And then once you have those one to five words, 
you create a philosophy statement. Okay. And then it's this idea of aligning all of our thoughts, actions, and words and reflecting on our thoughts, actions, and words and seeing how they align to this statement. So the statement that I came up with was to create and inspire with authentic purpose to live mindfully each day. So in the work that I do, um, I guess personally and professionally, yeah. I, I try to live that statement okay. and I reflect on my thoughts. So this is a constant reminder. If you start to go off track... You pull it back in yeah. and you recalibrate and okay. you reset. Yeah. So that's to me really represents mindfulness because it's that self-awareness and critical self-reflection yeah. that's needed to, to keep you on track when you identify your personal philosophy statement. If I can just cut in here, it's yeah. really interesting because one of the things I always like to suggest to students is that they keep a log of, you know, when you play golf, write down what you were thinking about on that specific day. What were you, what was your attention on? Mm. You know, what did you do well that day? Because we, we, we tend to normally just reflect on when we've done things badly, when we've got it wrong. Mm. But success also leaves a kind of footprint as well. Yeah. But we only tend to look at the bad footprints. So we, we tend to just kind of think, oh, well, if, I'd, if I'd only done that better, if I'd only done that better. And I, I say that after about six or eight rounds of golf, you will start to see certain words reappearing. So these then become, you know, a, a patterns start to form. When you played well, you know, if you write down three or four things that you did well on that specific day, yeah. there'll be one or two words that keep reappearing time after time after time after time. Yeah. So basically, that gives you a very, a very good pathway to what you need to put your attention on. Yeah, yeah. For now sure. everyone's going to be slightly different. Yeah, but it's you know you've got to go on that journey of discovery. Yeah, but it's very easy to to skip over that to to pass over on that. But it's really important to write these things down. Yeah. And I always try to get people to write it down. Don't stick it in your phone. Yeah, because everything else is in your phone. Yeah. You know, get a nice notepad, buy, use a nice pen. You know, enjoy the process of actually writing something down. Because we, we forgot how to use pen and paper, Yeah, yeah. most people. Well, Carl, the last time I talked to Carl, he talked about um, creating a three-shot journal. Yeah. Right? And, um, it's a very similar kind of process. Right. But, you know, you, you take no matter how badly you played or how well you played, you take your three best shots. Yeah and describe what was happening in that moment, how you felt as with as much detail as you can. Yeah. So then by the end, you have this amazing, uh, amazing journal full of greatness. Feel happiness. That's what you have to draw, yeah, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How has your, if you look at from when you were a coach on the, the European tour to setting up yeah. this Archerfield performance center and the work you do now, how has your personal philosophy changed? Um, well, I think when I was working with tour pros, it was all about, it's all about the here and now, it's all about right now, it's all about performance, it's all about this week. You know, everyone talks about, yeah, I've got a, a long-term plan to, mm, they may have in the back of their mind, but when it comes to playing golf on a Thursday morning or a Friday afternoon or a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon, when you're playing for your living, that's all you're worried about, that's all you're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. So you don't really have time to plan. You've got to be, you know, you've got to have a plan, but it's got to be unbelievably flexible because it's got to change from day to day, week to week, tournament to tournament, whatever it is. So, yeah, I guess 
I probably knew less about mindfulness then, clearly. But I always, I was always aware of the fact that I always try to keep things nice and simple. I always try to give them one thing to to think about. I didn't understand the importance of it, perhaps then, you know, having a single point of focused attention, how how important that is. But it worked. So I thought, well, if it works, let's keep using this single point of focused attention. No, let's not try to change three different things. Let's help the player understand that, you know, when you play your best, this is what happens. So let's try to replicate the best of you. Decluttering the mind. Totally, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's one of my favourite words. I mean, yeah. one of the guys I worked with on and off for years, a guy called Phil Price, who beat Phil Mickelson in the Ryder Cup in 2002. One on tour, two or three times. He's won on the European Seniors Tour now that he's a senior. And he never used to ask me for coaching, never once asked for a lesson. He used to call me up and say, I need a mental declutter. Ah. And that was, you know, that was the just first time I ever did. Yeah, he just won, because he knew himself that he was very guilty of adding this and adding that and adding this and adding that, where in actual fact, he knew he should have been taking things away. Mm-hmm. But his own, his, was, his nature was to to bring more on board. Yeah. You know, get more information. Yeah. And it was, he used to get to the point where he'd be drowning in information and had all these conflicting thoughts and ideas and processes running around his head. And it was my job to try and get inside his head and strip all that stuff away to give him one thing to think about. Singular point of focus. Absolutely. And that idea, there's an educational consultant who talks about, um, he's from the UK, his name's Dylan William, very well known. And he talks about this idea that schools and educational organizations always add to the plates of teachers without allowing them to remove something from the plate to make space for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. So the idea of decluttering is as you say, holding on to those one or two things yep. and letting go of what's not working. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, if it's not working, leave it at home. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And I guess just moving into, I just uh, would love you to just close off the show by talking about the visualization. Yes. And any insight that you can share. Because again, even though we're we're talking about golf here, really we're talking about strategies that work regardless of your industry yeah yeah absolutely yeah so yeah. it's this idea of visualization so so a lot of the work that you do and having been coached by you uh, on several different occasions now you're the one of the very first coaches that brought that intentional act of visualization yeah. to what i do on the golf course yes and we talked about that today yes right? so just take people through how you um, embed visualization in everything that you do because that is total mindfulness. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, you know, I once read, we, cre- we create what we see. So if you can't see it, good luck trying to create it. So it's certainly in golf. Um, again, it goes back to asking a question, what does the ball need to do to go from point A to point B? Well, it needs to travel in a certain direction and it needs to travel a certain distance. Whether it's a two-foot putt or a six-iron shot, whatever it is. And height. And height, absolutely. So if I said to you, what does a really good shot with a six-iron look like? Or if I said to you, what does your house look like? Or what does your next-door neighbor's cat look like? Mm -hmm. An image starts to form. So rather than say, I want you to visualize this shot, if I said to you, what does a really good shot look like? 
then all of a sudden this image starts to form. So you then, you start to react to that visualization. But if I just said to you, okay, what does the ball need to do? You've got, you've got a six iron distance, hit it from here to there. Mm-hmm. You would probably go straight into a technical thinking process. Yeah. About you've got what, to do this with the club or that. Exactly. Or the club. Yeah. But if I just said, okay, what does the ball need to do? And what does a really good version of that, you know, what's the best version of that shot look like? Straight away, I can see your eyes kind of light up and widen. Your, yeah. your, again, your posture changes, your shoulders go back, you stand up, you stand a bit taller, and you're ready to take on the task. Again, it's about having a very clear intention. So we've, once we know what that visualisation looks like, we've got a very clear intention, we've got a very clear task and we can then again get absorbed and engrossed in that task. And we can then park our attention in creating that task. You know, one of the things with the questions I asked you today was, does the swing create the shot or does the shot create the swing? Now, historically, we've always been told and taught that the swing creates the shot. Mm-hmm. But every shot we face on the golf course is different. And every day we play, we're going to feel a little bit different. We're going to come in from a different angle. The wind's going to be a different direction, whatever it is. So we have to be more creative. You know, the, the most fun guys to watch golf on TV are the guys who are the most creative. Mickelson's great to watch. Yeah. doesn't always come off, yeah. but he's great to watch. Seve was the, the king of creativity. Mm-hmm. There'll never be another one. I wish there was, because yeah. he was just the best ever to watch. Yeah. So, yeah, visualization is so, so powerful because, you know, having read up a lot about it in, in recent weeks and months, having a very clear visualization of what the task at hand is creates a neurological pathway mm-hmm. for your brain and body to then go down. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things that we were doing today in order to, so I, I kind of look at the puzzle slightly differently to yeah. most. So when you, if you were hitting the ball, if you, you were trying to change something in your golf swing, yeah. and all I suggested was, now, if we try to lower the, the height of the flight of the visualization of the shot you're going yeah. to hit, and look at the video afterwards, yeah. you actually did what you were trying to do physically, yeah. but reacting to the visualization. Yeah. So we used the visualization of what a good shot looked like first, but just changed the visual slightly for you. Yeah. We changed the picture, if you like, and then just let your motor skills kick in to allow that to happen. And they did. Yeah. So we were hitting, um, to give some background, we were hitting, I was hitting a wedge, right? Yeah. And you had that flight tracker. Yes. Right. That gives Using you the you track know, that, Yeah, the track tracks the ball. Yeah. So you can see the, the trajectory of the ball yes. take off in an animated line, yeah. right? So my line had left the screen. Just about left the top of the screen. Yeah. Left the top of the screen. Yeah. And I asked you the numbers and you said you hit the wedge 75 feet in the air. Yeah. And about 110 yards or whatever yes. it was. You had me visualize keeping the ball flight on the screen. Yeah. Right? And I literally looked at the screen and then I looked out and onto the rain. Yeah. And I actually saw it. Yeah. And then I was able to... I think you to, used a, a cloud as a reference point. Yeah, a yeah. cloud as a reference point. And... Not that we even have many clouds in Scotland, yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a perfect height cloud though, right? Yeah. And then I hit the second shot and then the, the flight uh, height came down to like 66 feet. Yeah. So I'd taken 9 or 10 feet yeah, yeah. just through the act of... Yeah. I, did, I yeah. didn't suggest you do anything Nothing other technical. than... Yeah. 
try to reduce the visualization, try to get your your creativity to match up the visualization. Yeah. And wasn't that rewarding? And technically something had to happen in yes. my body to make it happen, yeah, yeah. but I certainly didn't think yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Then we were able to talk about what I had done correctly through the ball yeah. to produce the I hadn't given you I hadn't even yeah. given you a clue as to what you should or could or may or may not do. But your brain just made your body do something slightly differently to create a different height of flight. Yeah. Of ball flight. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating. I mean, you're a fairly accomplished golfer. You're a pretty good golfer. You you know you've got the skills to play all these different shots. But even guys who and girls who perhaps don't have your skill level, they can still do that kind of thing. It's incredible. Don't underestimate what the, the brain and body can do. You know, we've As evolved, said, we've evolved quite pathways. a long way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the neurological pathways. Yeah, and they talk about the brain having neuroplasticity. Yes, and that the the old school of thought was that. As you get older, your brain loses its neuroplasticity, mm. but it actually still retains it. I think there it. is a lot of evidence contrary to that, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. So I just want to review. So we talked about intention and attention and having a clear intention first. Yes. And then placing your attention around that. Yeah. Right? We talked about the importance of presence and you know, the compete to create course, um, the, the, one of the creators of that course talks about in terms of being present, stringing together as a succession of present moments. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what perform, peak performance yeah, yeah, is all yeah. about. Your ability. Well, Carl talks a lot. It's very similar. Actually, Carl talks a lot about, you know, an accumulation of good days. Yeah. What creates a, you know, what creates, if we start working with any player, and we ask them, okay, they say, right, I want to get better. I want to, I want to achieve this. I want to achieve that. So we'd have to ask them, okay, what's a good, what's a good year look like to you? And how are you going to achieve that? And they don't understand that basically a good year is basically an accumulation of good days. Yeah. And if you can do something, and if you can write down today, I did, you know, you can only be slightly better than you did yesterday. Yeah. If that's your intention, you've got a chance of achieving it. You know, we're not trying to go from one to a hundred overnight. Yeah. You know, I was told, you know, when you learn the alphabet as a kid, you don't learn it A, B, C, D, D, all yeah. the way right through. It's A, A, B, A, B, C. You're building blocks yeah. throughout. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt there. No, no, that's okay. And that's that whole idea of just, just building upon these moments. Yes. Right? But that's not possible unless you're present within that moment. Yeah. So the power of presence. And then we talked about uh, the power of visualization. So those four things are great to share for this uh, episode. Where can people find you? I'll have it in the show notes, but where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, At GaryNickel67, the number is 67. G-A-R-Y-N-I-C-O-L-67. Okay. And... The uh, Archerfield Performance Centre they can easily find online. Yes, just and, Archfield Golf Club yeah. or Archfield Links, I should say. And you can also find us at at Lost Art Putting. Okay, that's uh, your website. Yes, for the book. As well, yeah. you started a podcast, didn't you? We have done a podcast, yeah. And we are currently discussing, we've, we've done quite a few little videos, tutorials as well. Yeah, which are on YouTube. Which are on YouTube. Yeah. And yeah, you can get access then through the, the Twitter feed as well. And we are discussing a second book at the moment. So 
Okay, excellent. Yeah. Cool. And you were on the Pierce and Andy show. We've been on that a couple of times as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're great. really good guys. So I'm going to include all of this uh, in the show notes. And uh, thanks, it was great seeing you. Pleasure. Yeah. Pleasure to talk to you as always. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we hope you come back to listen to future episodes. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.